Hello, friends and travelers. Thanks for listening. You are riding along on the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. Our mission is to spread awareness of the true hostel experience in the Americas and share stories from the fascinating hosts who create those unique facilities. I'm your host, Jimmy Black, joined alongside co-founder of International Traveler's House, Bobby Dyer, and Eric Faria, co-founder of World Packers. Each session, we sit down with hostel operators or travel influencers to hear about their road success, discuss trending hostel topics, and close with tips for travelers who are seeking to have the ultimate experience when visiting each destination. You can't afford to miss this trip. Now fasten your seatbelts and let's hit the road. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. My name is James Black. I'm here alongside my co-founder and partner, Bobby Dyer, as well as Eric Faria, the co-founder from World Packers. We are here, as we've said, in the beautiful city of Boston, meeting with Mark Johnson, the manager of the HI Boston. Thanks so much for taking the time, Mark, of your busy schedule to join with us. HI is actually a repeat Hosker winner and finalist, which if you do not know in the world of hosteling, a Hoskers is like winning an Oscar, so it's quite a big deal. And to, to start off, we just want to hear a little bit about your story, Mark, and how you got into the hostel industry. Did you start off as a, a worker or a backpacker? Uh, backpacker. Okay. Actually, yeah. What was the first hostel you ever stayed at? So first hostel I ever stayed at was a, a hostel called uh, Millennium. Uh, Millennium Lodge in uh, North uh, uh, London, in Kensal Green. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'd been working and, and having a good time with uh, friends and whatnot, and uh, some of my friends went to travel and check some things out, and after a couple of years I realized a few didn't come back, so I thought, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But there might be something to this, you know, maybe we should check it out. Yeah. And uh, so um, I kind of did the extreme thing. I mean, I was in management uh, at the time and about um, uh, the extreme, sold everything I had and just kind of left and came back once uh, over the the course of three years and uh, had a pretty incredible time. So it kind of caught me uh, real quick. So you got the bug and then you hit the road for a few years just backpacking all over the world and staying at hostels. And then that's what segued into you becoming a hostel manager or working in the industry? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a bit how that happened. So um, I was uh, I was actually working for Xerox. And like I said, I was in management, got up there. And then some of their, to be honest, some of their corporate material was getting sent to me. So I was kind of young in the management mm-hmm. scheme. Yeah. And it kind of said, you know, hey, what's your two-year, three-year, five-year plan? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. So... <laughs> You know, that's, yeah. uh, this is kind of freaking me out a little yeah. bit, like I'm planning the rest of everything. And I was like, I think there's some things I need to do. Yeah. And like I said, some friends of mine have gone to travel and hostel and uh, didn't come back. So I was like, you know, there's a little window here. Um, let's do this. And so kind of sold it, went out, and I was like, wow, this is an incredible experience. Everybody meeting, traveling, sure. just kind of having these these uh, the greatest trips of their lives, basically, um, each one of them. And um, I was like, do we have these in the United States? Yeah, yeah kind of right. Yeah. Question, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I thought it was that cool and picked up little odd jobs at uh, different hostels. And then um, when I came back, uh, finished up school and kind of looked into 
figuring out what I want to do, but I knew this was it. Yeah, very similar to some of our experiences, as I, I had a similar one as I studied abroad in Ireland, and I stayed in hostels there, and then moved around, and I was like, man, if these were in the U.S., I'd stay in them all the time. Why don't I hear about them? <laughs> but then you'd come back here, and you'd hear that the, the uh, at that time especially, you know, this is going back 15 years, it was not as saturated as it is now, and a lot of people still think it's an unsaturated market in the U.S., and the perception was very bad, especially as some of these horror films started to roll out. Sure. Did the uh, industry a lot of injustice here in the U.S. So now as you found yourself breaking into and making that jump from traveler into working in the hostels, mm -hmm. was an H.I. the first hostel you got a job at, or did you work at a different hostel first? No, so I worked at just an independent hostel. And okay. I just kind of picked up, like I said, when I was traveling, the okay. odd jobs and security size-wise. I worked in, you know, you can fit into you, that role. Yeah, <laughs> when did you make the jump into HI? What was your first HI? Uh, the uh, High Seattle. The, and that was in 2009. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you so almost 10 years with HI. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's nice. great. All right. Yeah. So you, you spent some time over there at HI Seattle. And then you come over here to Boston? No, actually, I moved. I uh, had a little uh, um, side project that I was working on with some uh, YouTubers down in Austin, Texas. Oh, Lived down there for Austin. a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Austin's Sixth a great street. city. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, realized uh, I loved, the, loved what I was doing, but it wasn't my passion. I wanted to get back into hostiling, so opportunity opened up at uh, High Sacramento. And I uh, had connected with some people I used to work with, um, uh, knew, and was able to get that management position at uh, Sacramento. Um, was able to turn that, that property. Uh, it was a beautiful property if you ever have an opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. Old uh, merchant uh, oh, house cool. on Merchant's Row there, um, right downtown. And um, flipped that property. Boston came open, and uh, I'd had experience in larger hostels and, and background and done pretty well. So uh, nice. threw my hat in the ring and was able to come here. Do you have a particular uh, favorite hostel or an inspiration hostel that really yeah. motivated you or One you look up? Stage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, to be honest, and I, and I, I know it's probably not the uh, most typical kind of promotion for. Uh, uh, a particular brand or anything like that, but you know, the hostel stay really kind of depends on the people that you're traveling with in the group. You know, you've been very true, um, and the people that are staying at the hostel. You know, yeah. um, we do a lot of programming here that kind of tries to bring people together to have those experiences. But I've been in hostels where there's two inches of water on the floor, graffiti in a broken down basement, and I had the best time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> you know, there's no windows or anything like that. Everybody's hanging out, having the best time ever. I've also been to, to hostels that have like a five-star rating. Mm -hmm. Everybody raves about them, but either a little bit of a dip when we, yeah. when we roll in. It just depends on where the party is. It was a big weekend. Everybody's kind of chilling after yeah. that. And it was just a so-so experience, you right. know. And so I think it just all depends on, uh, first of all, yourself. If yeah. you're going to be going and, and meeting with other people. And also some of the travelers or things that are going on um, in the city and at the hostel at the time, too. That's such a great point, Mark. And I, I think people that haven't stayed at the hostel wouldn't understand that, that the energy that's created by the people inside the hostel is so much of the experience. And a lot of times it's the staff, it's the owner, it's the manager that feeds that energy to the actual guests and the guest experience. So it is very much like that element of, why do you go to that dive bar? Well, I don't really go to the dive bar. I go with my friends to that dive bar and I have a great time. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's definitely got that type of energy to it that you're not going to capture in a hotel experience. No. And hotels are trying to do it as much as they can, and they realize they're missing the experience. But I think it's, a, you know, imitation is the best form of uh, flattery yeah. in that way. So when you see hotels trying to mimic or copy the experience of a hostel, 
Uh, it's always very encouraging to me, but I think you hit the nail on the head there with that. All right. So now, in your inspiration to create that experience mm-hmm. within this hostel for those guests, would you say that that's come from your raw experiences traveling individually in the hostels that you know would, that turned you from a hotelier to a mm-hmm. hostel and that? Like that? Would you say that's <laughs> well, part of it? Well, I think, at least in the United States, I think we all kind of start out as hoteliers because we yeah. think that's the only way right? what you do, yeah, right? Yeah. And if you need a cheap one, you go to Motel Six or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in those senses, I think the rest of the world is kind of ahead of us in that sense because they've been hosteling forever, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And there's been hostels that exist here, um, you know, for even over a hundred years, but uh, just hasn't been a thing here, you know. And, and uh, it's a little bit more, um, you know, the experience uh, that I had uh, was really eye-opening and kind mm-hmm. of life-changing. I think a lot of people that do ever hostel, yeah. they kind of get that experience and feel it. So. Basically, how that translates kind of coming into hostels, kind of make this a lifelong pursuit now, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, my, I imagine, like I was when I was traveling, that every person walking through that door is on the greatest trip of their life. That's okay? Great. How do we help that? How do we help enhance that? How do we help facilitate and make that? Uh, the best part of uh, their trip. We might not be that, right? The uh, guests or the, I mean, uh, ourselves, the staff or the, yeah. the facilities or something like that. But if we can help facilitate them meeting people that kind of fit those needs, I mean, that's yeah, a beautiful a thing job. to be a part of. That yeah. is words of wisdom from Mark Johnson here at HI Boston. <laughs> we will be returning shortly after this read of sponsorship. Thank you so much. This podcast is fueled by CloudBeds the America's premier real-time property management cloud-based software. Managing over 17,000 properties worldwide, including six of my own. Handling all of our needs from managing guests and reservations, distributing room availabilities, saving inventories, and collecting payments. to Hostel Road Trip. Our episode now is in Boston, Massachusetts with HI Manager Mark Johnson. Thanks for being with us. Great to be here. All right, now we're going to dive into the hot topics of the trending issues within the industry of hosteling and discuss some of the challenges in uh, running a hostel and some of the uh, issues that we face on a daily basis. Something that this podcast is trying to achieve is hostel awareness within the American industry, as it has a bad perception uh, with a lot of the millennial demographic and um, Americans in general. Uh, I've been working in the industry for 10 years, and I still have friends that when I tell them I'm working in a hostel, they have no idea what it is, or they ask me if I need help. (laughs) What's going on? Are you okay? (laughs) But, you know, you've had such a cool experience of working for HI for the past 10 years in multiple different spots across the country during a 10-year period where I think there's been the most action going on in the industry within America. There's a lot of growth. There's a lot of big hotel players getting into it, mm-hmm. uh, and it shows that there's potential. But what would you say the uh, perception of the American backpacker, particular that millennial demographic, have you seen it uh, improve? Have you seen it stay the same? Do, what is your overall impression of it? So I think, uh, like you know, we've talked about before, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that hostels exist in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's something that you do elsewhere, right? Yes, yeah. uh, but we do exist here. Um, the sharing aspect can be off-putting to some Americans, you know, as we see everybody uh, with the freeways full of cars and one person in each one, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. You know, that's kind of that's kind of like uh, going to the hotel and shutting your door and not talking to anybody, yes. right? Yes. So it's a it's a social enterprise. 
Um, I think, to be honest, hosteling kind of fits right in line with uh, uh, millennial ideals. They're looking for a lot more uh, uh, social enterprise, Shared social interaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and those types of things. So um, I think the perception is changing and evolving, right? yeah. um, and, and that's why you're seeing kind of a lot of the larger players adapting a yeah. little bit to that and adding yeah. more um, yeah. social aspects to I, it. I agree completely, and something that you know we've been trying to uh, – publicize a lot and also make a, a correlation that sometimes the millennial gets stumped by is they, they'll say to us, well, you know, the hosteling thing sounds interesting, but I'm not interested in staying in a room with a stranger that I don't know and seeing a stranger. And I'll say to them, well, you're interested in getting a ride from that stranger via Uber or Lyft. How different are we talking about? Exactly. You know, how much are you exposing yourself more? Yeah. And, you know, that's a big thing that and a hurdle, I think, psychologically that needs to be overcome. But maybe you could tell us a bit about the measures that are taking uh, within the, the hostel industry and within your own hostel of how you protect that experience and make sure people are safe because that is such obviously a, a bedrock foundation of the good experience. We always tell our people you can have the best activities, the most fun events planned, but if it's not clean and safe, mm-hmm. they're not enjoying it. You know, yeah. they're they're either checking out or they're in their bed leaving a bad Yelp review. Yeah. <laughs> they're not engaging. So how do you go about protecting that experience and making sure it's safe and secure for your guests? Yeah. So um, a variety of things, right? So we're we're just as safe as secure and if um, you know one of the things we kinda of talk about people kind of coming in um, and hustling just kind of in general is that we're a travel enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. Travel and experience, right? Yes. And social enterprise. I mean, all those things, right? Mm-hmm. All these great things for people coming together, right? Um, we're not necessarily, a, we're not a place to live, right? Mm-hmm. We're not kind of a, a, a paid for shelter type of situation, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and not that those are negative things, but we are for travelers that are coming to visit and uh, um, see a place and meet together and have these experiences, right? Yep. Um, so being a travel enterprise and a social enterprise, um, we have a variety of things uh, that we do to ensure safety. I mean, obviously key cards, locking systems, stuff yes. like that. Um, we kind of educate the staff, kind of uh, the guests kind of coming in and the staff, um, how to talk to hostelers um, and a variety of things that, uh, you know, we're in a major metropolitan area. So elements yeah. exist in every major city that are going to exist here, right? Mm-hmm. Just kind of be aware of your surroundings and those types of things. You are in shared accommodation. So yeah. in the rooms, even themselves, each person has their own locker that they can lock up, yeah. right? Um, you are in shared accommodations, but so is everybody else. And then also, what I also say, is a lot of hostels have private rooms. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that either. If you can get the social experience and have all the fun, and you can go back to your private room. And as a person who's in, you know, pushing that 35 limit, and as we always talk about, you know, the demographics 18 to 30 or 35, you know, it is still there as an experience. And I might be more likely to book a private room now, but I still like to go into the events or down to the bar and socialize. So there is a variety of... Uh, Options. You can also rent out the entire dorm room for all your friends so that you don't have to stay with any strangers if you're not comfortable. So we encourage people to give it a try, maybe in those formats, uh, and ease their way into the experience. But that's, uh, that's some great topics to, that people can uh, feel comforted by. Now, within the industry, I think it's an encouraging thing. A lot of hostel operators have been intimidated by it. But as we see these hotels like Hilton in Marriott making brands like Moxie and Flux to try to replicate the hostel experience. And then we have Airbnb, which is such a big new player on the block in the, the hotel OTA service that also you see the Airbnb experiences now coming about and it's very much replicating what's missing there in comparison to a hostel experience. 
What do you think about Airbnb? Do you look at it as a an enemy? Do you use it within your hostel as a booking site? How do you work with it? Um, we don't use it as a booking site yet. I, I I'm not against that, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not against Airbnb. I think yeah. uh, um, you know we have a unique uh, situation here. My perspective might not be typical, I sure. guess. Um, I think when Airbnb came on the scene, the hotels really got a little punch in the stomach, wake yeah. up call, yeah, you know, uh, for that, and uh-huh. they got really hit. Um, I don't see a lot of fluctuation with what we're doing, and I okay. think it could be a nice uh, kind of gateway experience into the hostel because True. you go stay at someone's house, maybe the cleanliness Danger, isn't there, yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah, necessarily, yeah. right? You're going off of reviews, Shared the safety economy. stuff, right? Yeah. Those that we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, but you're still there on your own. Yes. You know what I mean? So you're missing the social part. So mm-hmm. you took a little step and tried the Airbnb. I've done it. I think yeah. everybody probably has yeah, tried it. Yeah. And it's a cool thing. You're going with a group of friends, but you're hanging out. You know the people, stuff like that. The piece that's missing um, is the social part, right? Absolutely. And so that could be a nice trend. Hey, we tried this. It worked out okay. Yeah. Let's go check the hostel next time and then meet everybody, nice. you know, and have these experiences. Nice. So I don't see them as an enemy. Um, I see them as a nice kind of alternative and gateway for other people that are kind of dipping their toe into the into the more unique and local experiences and then transitioning into uh, uh, the hostel uh, experience as well for the social aspects. That's really cool. You know, we haven't heard that in between thought there. Kind of Airbnb as the gateway drug to a hostel, right? Yeah. You know, try it out <laughs> and you'll like this one. Uh, so I think that's a really cool way to look yeah. at it. We, uh, as operators at ITH Hostels, we use Airbnb, mm-hmm. and we were one of the first ones to use it within the hostel. And we remember working with Airbnb. Uh, six, seven years ago and talk, well, no, I need four beds in the same room. And they were like, how do we, you know, they, so, but they worked with us and, and it's, it's been a great driving uh, booking force for us. So we've been always been on, well, we don't look at it as an enemy. We look at them as another OTA. Yeah. Uh, now, different cities though vary in opinion based on the municipality zoning laws with that. Yeah, if absolutely. it's free game for Airbnb, you find the operators a little more uh, looking at it as the enemy. Whereas if it's a little more restricted to commercial areas and mm-hmm. things like that, it may be a little bit more of an ally. Yeah. In this city of Boston, how is Airbnb being treated? So, um, you know, I think it was just kind of new for everybody at mm-hmm. first, right? And so a lot of cities kind of are kind of catching up to that, right? I think there does need to be standards. Okay? Is that regulated? Uh, it's not yet. Not yet. Okay. okay. Um, at the same time, what they're seeing is a lot of corporate companies buying up a lot of residential properties and running them out of Airbnbs. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the part I'm not excited about, yes. right? Because then what's the difference if you have no regulations, but it's these companies running these things, there should be some yes. connection between, hey, we, there needs to be standards and, and certain things. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, some people renting out their, their house or their condo for the weekend and they go away and managing, making, I like that idea, That's fine. you know? Yeah. yeah, but companies just kind of manipulating this yeah. scenario, those are kind of challenges. Yeah, we saw that in San Diego and they actually Huge. passed the law yeah. where yeah. going yeah. back to the owner has to live on site. Yeah. Maybe yeah. An Airbnb. yeah. See, I would love that. And, would and, love what, that. and all yeah. it takes really is one unfortunate incident like a fire or something happened. Like, well, you don't have sprinklers. You don't have safety measures. You don't yeah. have any of these fire Not really codes. commercially set up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know some of those things where people had come to the house and mm-hmm. the person was un- unscrupulous with yes. certain things. Yeah. Some of those have been mm-hmm. out. Absolutely. About, so. Now, um, what about Boston as a city mm-hmm. in its viewpoint towards hostels? A lot of mm-hmm. times, and as we've traveled and spoken to a lot of operators and potential operators, sometimes some cities just outright won't acknowledge a hostel. We saw mm-hmm. New York City a few years back ban all of them except HI, I believe. How is Boston, as a city, 
working with hostels friendly? Uh, for us, it's been very friendly. Great. Okay, but we also um, try to give back to the community. That's We're not just here running a business. Fantastic. Tell us a yeah. bit more about that because that's an important part of hostels. So yeah, ab- absolutely. So um, with the uh, high and our mission, right, to help all, especially the young, gain a greater understanding of the world and its people, right. Mm-hmm. That also means the communities that the hostels are in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of our uh, programs. Um, great hostel give back, um, the uh, Sleep for Peace event, and also um, Explore the World uh, scholarships give back to communities, right? Uh-huh. We also invite communities in on an event basis um, to experience the hostel, mix with the guests, and right. do those types of things as well. That's fantastic. Um, and so, yeah, we try to connect with the local communities as well um, while facilitating uh, the travel community uh, through so, here. So important to have the local residents really be a fan of a hostel. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're seeing a lot where the, the hostels are really a community hub for world travelers where mm-hmm. if you're living in the local area, you can tell your friend who's coming in to, you know, just go ahead and stay at the hostel. It's a great place where you can, you know, obviously meet travelers yes. and have a good experience. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I, yeah, so, you hit on such an important point for all hostel operators listening out there, if you want to improve your image within the city or the neighborhood, engage in these type of activities and community outreach and let them find out the organic way through seeing your facility, visiting your facility, that you are not what the perception lies out there to be a lot of the time. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so with uh, even our uh, Explore the World uh, scholarships, that's a $2,000 scholarship. We gave away eight of those last year uh, to a variety of communities. So disadvantaged communities that wouldn't have been able to travel. uh, So so we're trying to grow that program as well and give more of those. Yeah. And I I think HI is always a great model for all hostels in that way of uh, you've been around for so long and you've had so many of these cool initiatives that other hostels can look to you as a format and example to do a lot of these things. As we talked about before, some bigger players getting into the game. Generator Hostels, although they're dropping the name Hostel, which is an interesting part of the hostel awareness and perception image. And then we've got Moxie, which is opening up actually right down the street from you. How do you feel about these hotel-style operators getting into the, the niche, into the market? And competing with them as well. How do you yeah. how are you going to take down the moxie over there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if we're looking to, to take them down. It's a different uh, uh, form of competition, and I think it's the kind of the very uh, um, you know well endowed uh, hoteliers that uh, are kind of you know noticing the trends of the millennials uh, kind of coming through. That'll be an interesting uh, experiment to see if it works. I still think uh, um, you know. Uh, by far, and I would say hi, and me in general, um, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say hostel, right? Right. Um, yeah. I love it. I embrace yeah. it. And I think we're very different from a hotel. So Amen. I wouldn't want people mistaking yeah. us for that because the experience is night and day difference, yes. right? Um, I know anytime I'm traveling, I'm going to a hostel, I'm thinking of the people I'm meeting in the hostel, mm-hmm. what adventures we're going to get in, the cool activities and things I'm going to learn from them, right? Every time I go to a hotel, I'm not thinking about the hotel. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about maybe what I'm going to do in the city. Very my true. I'm not thinking about the place yeah, I'm staying. That's a yeah. very good point. Absolutely. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I would yeah. say that that's a very good point. Well, this episode is like a this episode's like a fine bottle of whiskey. It just gets smoother <laughs> with every sip here. All right. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with Mark Johnson from the HI Boston. All right. And now quickly over to another one of our sponsors. Thank you so much, Hostel Management Forum for your love and support on the road, and look forward to having all episodes streamed on your platform where other industry-related issues can be discussed and learned.
Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We're at HI Boston with Mark Johnson. Thanks so much for being with us today. We've had a great episode so far. We're looking to dive into a little bit more about your facility and the operational strategies of what makes your hostel great. Now, we've all stayed here personally before, which is really cool, mm -hmm. because sometimes we're on the road and we're meeting these people for the first time and we're taking a little tour of their facility. But to actually stay there when they didn't know that you were coming beforehand, mm -hmm. you really get the raw, authentic experience. And as I was telling you a little bit before the show, I found myself just kind of sitting back in awe sometimes of watching the size and scope of the operation whilst how smoothly it was running. Because I think all hostile operators, owners, managers that have tried to expand or gone through an expansion, you realize those challenges. How do you have more people without losing intimacy? How do you have more people without being able to focus on guest issues the way you used to when it was 40 or 50 beds? So it's something that's been very impressive in watching uh, is that operation and the logistics of how you execute such a large shop. Now within that shop, you have multiple different demographics. How do you cater to the old traveler, the young traveler, the solo traveler, the group traveler? Uh, how do you make everyone happy after one yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. I don't know if there's one answer, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you can necessarily reach everybody. Sure. Um, I think if you run a, uh, an operation and activities and events that's kind of catered to a general uh, sense, and even more specific if they're socially minded um, type of things, have a learning aspect to them, but still kind of have a fun, upbeat um, feel to them, you're, you're doing pretty good, right? right yeah. um, I think just in general, one of the beautiful things about a hostel, right, is it's this, this huge melting pot of people from all different demographics and countries and age groups that come together and are able to have this common thread of travel between them, right? Mm -hmm. And that connects them to be able to open up and meet and, and have experiences and adventures with each other, where as even if you took these same people and they lived in the same city, probably wouldn't even meet each other or have the opportunity to talk to each other. Yeah. So this is a, it's not something you control, it's something you kind of harness, because we're just kind of pulsing here. You yeah. know I mean? This is something you're just kind of like, wow. Yes. You know? yes. Uh, that's yeah. such a great point because I think if you try to control it too much, you can ruin it yeah. and you can drive yourself crazy yeah. trying to control it. Yeah. And it's so much more of a harnessing or a cultivating or a setting up the opportunity for and letting it roll. You know, so many times you see a traveler come in by themselves and then they find themselves with a completely different itinerary because they met someone or a group and now we're going to New York together and now my whole travel has changed and it just wouldn't have happened in any other setting than that beautiful, authentic hostel experience. Yeah. Now, Breakfast. Mm -hmm. I talked a bit about it before. I said it compared it to the Ford assembly line of making a model uh. tea. You just see all these people rushing in at the same time. They're all getting a wide array of foods, far better than a continental breakfast at a hotel. And it's getting done seamlessly without a problem. How many people do you serve breakfast to on average in the morning? Uh, you know, in the summertime, it's going to be upwards of 300. I mean, that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Then the off-season just depends on who kind of rolls through, but that kind of gives you a testament to the amazing staff that's here. And, you know, uh, uh, comparing it, you know, to the Michael Jordan makes it look easy, right? But yes. it's a lot of work and organization and, and uh, um, kind of putting things together uh, to make it run that smooth, you know, as much as possible, right? Yes. It's still, it's destroyed after breakfast. Oh, yeah, I guarantee yeah, you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But I think you put a good point on it. You, you make it look easy. Yeah. 
But if you are an operator or someone who's tried to execute a breakfast like that, even for 20 or 30 people, you know how difficult it is and how many things go wrong and how easily you can make someone who is going to leave you a good review now leave a bad review because their last taste of the place was not a good one. Yeah. You know, so it's so sad to see that. So it really is a, a you should be commended you and your staff to be able to execute such volume uh, with precision on a daily basis. Uh, and that, that was something I, I made sure I didn't miss the breakfast when I was here because <laughs> nice. I knew I could get loaded up for the day and you know be off on my way. Yeah. So it was uh, definitely a great experience there. Now, we talked about the wide range that your hostel caters to, and I think it's very important to listeners and to potential hostel operators out there that you don't uh, typecast yourself too much into being known as the party hostel or the youth hostel, as a lot of them have been called. Mm-hmm. And so many of our... Uh, best guests have been 70 or 80 year old people you see hopping up on a top bunk and you're like, oh my God, I hope I can do that when I'm that age. Uh, But what type of guest would you say this hostel caters to? Uh, you know, to be honest, we try to cater to everybody, yeah. but the, the demographics and the statistics are about 80 to 85% of our overnights are 18 to 30. 18 to 30. Yeah, okay. 18 to 30. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, but uh, you still see the 85-year-old the uh, grandma traveling as you become a lifelong hostler, and that's a beautiful thing, you yes. know, and we're yes. wide open to that. And, you know, a lot of people, we're even touching on the safety aspect, they like the social, they like being around people, and it's safer for them than going and closing the door if someone followed them in their hotel room type of thing. I don't yeah, freak people yeah. out about that, but um, the social aspect and being around people feels good. You feel yeah. connected feel and you feel, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great point too. A lot of times people who are trying to get over that hurdle, another, I gave the Uber example earlier, but they're saying, hey, I'm staying in a six bed dorm, there's five other strangers, what if one of them's crazy? There's four other people in there that aren't. Yeah. And that's a very good safety and numbers point. That a lot of times, just having that strength in numbers or that crowd or that vibe, a lot of times organically, that energy will weed out the bad apple yeah. or the wolf amongst the sheep. And you won't even have to worry about it because that person learns that this just isn't going to fly here. So I think that's important for listeners to, to realize on that. I got a question. With the, sure. being such a you know, large hostel, mm-hmm. what is it like as far as running it as day to day manager to you know, have such great attention to detail? in your shoes like how do you find your your day what's an average day for you uh you know i think that's the beauty of why i'm in this too right there is an average day uh, as you were talking about every time that we understand that little fires come up yeah. all the time yeah. and so um you know i don't think there's ever a day i didn't want to come to work right? that's important um, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's exciting i think people that don't kind of have the hostel uh, the thing that kind of grabbed them when they connected with the hostel won't last in the industry very yeah. long yeah. Uh, because you have to, right? Yeah, to ride the waves it. and the ups and downs yeah, and, yeah. and have these uh, um, incredible things. But, you know, you need to hire the right staff, right? I mean, that's that's uh, critical, right? right? So I'm, um, um, I do uh, at least meet every single person that is brought on. Uh, I have a management team that's fantastic, um, an AGM that's fantastic, a housekeeping, front desk, uh, we also have an engagement team here. So um, one is um, uh, Melanie. She does engagements, all the activities and events you see on the board out here. We have an education coordinator and also now a um, uh, public affairs manager. So connecting with the community. So um, trying to get all these things into place and um, really putting systems into place so mm-hmm. people know what their role is and know what to do and know what they need to do at a certain time. Yes. Um, at some points in the summer, it can feel like you're hurting a lot of people. I mean, we're, we can get up to 470 wow. uh, at our max, wow. right? Which is a lot. Yeah. That's going to be one of the biggest in the country, right? right? Yeah. Uh, pretty close. I think there's a few others. Top at five? New York? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is um, impressive. 
Yeah, and, and you just, uh, you know, you still try to get those intimate experiences. So even the layout of the hostel with the smaller kind of breakout little cubbies and stuff yeah. kind of gets you more intimate. It's not just big, huge halls that are going to be filled with 500 people, yeah. um, you know, and then the group events um, and activities, you know, you get uh, anywhere from 10 to 30, sometimes 40, sometimes they get a little bigger than that. Um, but then the group leaders try to facilitate people meeting each other in those senses because then you're having a little more intimate experience and it's not, like I said, based on the staff trying to manage 100 people. It's everybody, it's the hostile mentality and socializing right. aspect, breaking off into these little uh, kind of great. groups and meeting each other. That's great fantastic. advice on how to set up your hostel's layout for a 470 uh, volume location to see that you don't get that overwhelming feeling of being so many in one room. Mm -hmm. And I also think that you uh, made another profound point of, you know, in the hostel industry, your staff can be your greatest asset, your greatest liability. They can make your life beautiful or they can drive you nuts. <laughs> and, you know, it's so true. And I always give the analogy of, you know, you know you're a good hostel manager with a good operation when you can take your hands off the wheel and let it roll and nothing, you know, doesn't start falling apart on it. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's great advice for anyone listening that's trying to build a good team. Who you surround yourself with is going to be uh, a large impact on how you perform. Critical. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and close up with Mark Johnson at HI Boston. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We're here with Mark Johnson from HI Boston. It's just been an absolute pleasure covering topics that will be ranging from guest experience to hostel operations in the city of Boston. And that's where we kind of want to close out here, is to just hear a little bit more about the potential guest experience from your particular location here, located in Chinatown in Boston. Uh, what they could uh, expect if maybe they had a, a day to kill or something that you would say is one of the things they can't miss as far as uh, events, attractions, and things to enjoy within the city here around your location. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and everybody's experience is unique, uh, but if you're coming to Boston, there's a, this is just a, a great little gem of a city uh, to come visit. From the historical aspect um, and all the history that's taken place here for American history, uh, museums, uh, the schools, incredible universities. I think Massachusetts has mm -hmm. 140 some universities, yes. so the most in the United States. College town. Um, so academic backgrounds. Um, as well as uh, you know, great food scene, um, clean city, and uh, incredible uh, park system uh, as well. So we're about two blocks from the Boston Common, which is the Central Park uh, area. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of historical aspects um, that have taken place there. Um, Freedom Trail, which is actually a bricked trail throughout the city. You can go walk and see a bunch of the historical uh, aspects of the city, which is fantastic. Incredible uh, um, uh, sports teams that are here that everybody obviously knows. Absolutely. Boston is yes. a true sports town, yes. so on game days you'll see everybody in the city in their uh, variety of gear, whether mm -hmm. it be you know Patriots or Red Sox um, or Bruins, those those uh, those teams for sure, and Celtics. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. So now, and as uh, we have stayed here personally, which is great to kind of give some straight raw feedback to the listeners. It's a fantastic location. 
And one of the things that we really enjoyed was the ease of getting here. We took the train from Providence, got to the oh, South Station, nice. a short walk over, uh, and it was fantastic. You can carry in your bags, you don't even break a sweat. So where else could you? I mean, you obviously get from New York City, from Washington, Philly. Can you get to South Station from all these places, right? I think from most places, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's really kind of a central a artery of, of, yeah. Yeah, of the train system in the Northeast. Yeah. So if you're on the Northeast Backpacker Trail, be sure to make HI Boston one year stops because if you uh, you miss up, you're missing out. And uh, we once again want to thank Mark Johnson so much for taking the time to be with us and uh, sharing your insights and your experience and your wisdom and knowledge. I think this is going to be one of our finer episodes that we record on the road here. And uh, of course, uh, Robert Dyer, my partner from ITH Hostels. This is episode number four, but we're looking forward to many more. And we're onward to New Hampshire next. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. This has been fantastic. And ask me for the next trip. We'll get a seat for you. That's awesome. All right. Thank Until you. next episode. Thanks so much.